Well, as you're turning to John chapter 8, you'll notice in the insert, darkness hates the light, for the light is God. We saw in Genesis chapter 1, God's the one who makes light. Light emanates from God. And here in this passage, we're going to hear Jesus give us one of those, one of those I am statements that John records for us. I am the light. I am the light of the world. That's not surprising to us because we've already read back in the prologue and we'll finish with that this morning. A return back to chapter 1. I told you then that we're just going to see the prologue played out over and over through the whole book of John. The prologue, those first 18 verses of the book, are basically a, a synopsis of everything that John is going to develop for us. And here Jesus is, the light of the world. And you're going you're gonna to see the conclusion, the light reflects brightly even in the spiritually dark world. Sometimes we think things are so dark, things are so, so bad... Is there any hope? And the answer is yes. The light has shined. Not the light is going to shine. Not the light is shining. It is doing that. But the light has shined. That's what we saw in John chapter 1. The first 18 verses. The light has shined. And all men know this is a remarkable thought. It's something to keep in mind, particularly in dark days like this as we reflect on the European scene, is that uh, the light is shining in darkness. We're not there. We can't see how it's shining, but it is. We saw it shine here in the darkness of, of, uh, of the re recent pandemic scare. We've seen it in many contexts, in personal life as well as church life. This is a marvelous passage. Let's, let's read it together. The verses 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judge but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where's your father? Jesus said, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. 
but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you're from below. I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he who I am, he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and forever. Father, thank you for that truth. Thank you for being with us here this morning. We pray now that As the light shines in our darkness, the darkness of our hearts, that you might use that light to bring us into the light, not simply to confirm our darkness. We need that. Grant us faith that we might believe, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over this past week, I was uh, reading in the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, as some of you know, and then we discussed some of it on Wednesday night in the, in the prayer time, leading up to our prayer time. And uh, I had uh, particularly uh, noticed that, uh, that captivating question concerning our condition in our natural state, our native state, our fallen nature. And in that, ask, did we continue in the way we were created? And the answer is no, we didn't. Adam sinned, and in his sin, his whole progeny fell into sin. Well, what's our condition then? And the answer that we considered Wednesday night was this, that in our, in our nature, our fallen nature, we hate God in righteousness. What we discussed Wednesday night was that that's, a tough, that's tough to think about because we, we like to think that, well, you know, before I was a Christian, I didn't hate God, I just didn't care. I didn't hate God, I just didn't, 
I was indifferent. I didn't hate God. I just didn't particularly like what he said. But the fact is, is that we're enemies of God. We're alienated. Enemies, by nature, hate one another. You're not indifferent towards your enemy. I would, I would say that the Ukrainians right now are not indifferent about the Russian soldiers. Any, anybody with that delusion? I would say that the Ukrainians don't just simply dislike the Russians. They hate them because of what they're doing. They're destroying their families, their lives, their livelihoods. And that's who we are. We don't like to think of it that way. That in our native, in our, in our, in our fallen nature, we hate God. That's why we don't love him. There is no in-between. You love or you hate when it comes to God. The bottom line is that darkness hates the light. And the light represents God. Everywhere in the scriptures we read... God's the author of light. He's the giver of light. He even represents himself. Right in the, in, the, in, the, in the blessing. Turn your countenance. That your light might shine on us. That's the point. Isaiah speaks of God shining his light on his people. And of course here again, Jesus, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Notice it doesn't say whoever follows me will be indifferent toward darkness or no, it will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Now, I need to say this about the context. You remember last week we looked at the untext, 753 through 811. That's the text that has questions surrounding whether it goes right here in this context or not. We won't revisit that. But keep in mind, with that passage there, and then again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Now, it becomes evident as you read on through this, the Pharisees, the Jews, they're talking about him. And he goes back to something that he, he had just brought up to them at the end of the John 7 passage two weeks ago. And that is, I'm going to go away. We'll get to that in a moment. But remember, that kind of helps you connect. Remember, two weeks ago, that's where we were. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying these things. Now, F.F. F. Bruce and other commentators make an interesting observation here. That even though it was not uh, necessarily the command of God, what during these festival times, particularly the three main festivals, the big ones, 
there was this light show that surrounded the temple. They lit the place up. We do that, don't we? You know, going to have a big event. We want to be sure there's plenty of lights. You know, out on the deck for something, for a cookout, we light the torches to keep the bugs away, but then we also have those beautiful little scalloped lights, you know, around the edge of the, of the deck so the lights are shining and everything reflects beautifully. Now that's what's going on here. They got this place lit up. We would say lit up like Christmas. And Jesus uses that. He's already used the water, right? Two weeks ago, go back. Well, it's three weeks ago, I guess, because we had, we had February the 13th. So go back three weeks ago. The water, those big water containers. Every day during the feast, the water comes. And then the last day, they're anticipating God sends the water. And Jesus says what? I'm the water. And I'm going to, even though I'm going to go back to the Father, I'm going to give you the water of life. And that, of course, we're told in John is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Who floods us, who fills us, who overflows, running through us all the time. So he uses the water, I'm the water. Now he uses the lights, I'm the light. You have to use these artificial lights. To light up your life. To light up your world. But if you knew me. You wouldn't walk in darkness. But you will have the light of life. So Jesus. That's the context for this. So let's look at it real quickly. These two points. Jesus reveals his deity. Remember that's the big thing here. Now at the end of the book. The object was that you might believe. But in order to believe, you need to know what the object of your faith is. We've talked about this already. The problem with so many people is they have faith, but they got the wrong object of their faith. Their faith is in their faith. Their faith is in themselves. Their faith is in their family. Their faith is in their church. Their faith is in their baptism. Their faith is in... And so the whole book is building this case. It's for you to believe, but it's so that you'll believe in the right object and the right object is God and namely God, the son. So here he is again, going to prove his deity. He reveals his deity and it's set in this backdrop of darkness. Now, let me remind you, theologically, throughout the Bible, darkness is a reference to the world system. You know, living your life your way. Jesus respond, re, re, referenced, broad is the way that people follow, and it's following your way. The Puritans talked about it as, as will worship. You know, we make everything about ourselves. It's darkness. John uses this again when he writes his epistles in 1 John. 
particularly in the first letter. Darkness is a reference to sin. The, the dominion of, of Satan, the world, and the flesh. And so when Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, he's not talking about nighttime. He's talking about sin and evil. And so the backdrop to this argument for the Lord that he's making here is this spiritual darkness. And he comes, he comes out with a theological challenge right off the bat. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have life. So the Pharisees said, you're bearing witness about yourself. In other words, they got the point to a point, right? He was claiming to be the light. But who's going to verify this? Who's going to substantiate this? And they say, so you just bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. I mean, look, folks, if you find yourself in a, in a bind and you're before a judge and he says, who can verify that you were at this place instead of this place at thus and such time, and you say, well, I'm, I'm it. Guess what? That's not good enough. That doesn't count. You all have seen enough movies to know that much about our law system. But do you have any witnesses? Anyone who can verify? Anyone who can substantiate? So they're saying, you've got to have somebody better than yourself before we're going to believe you. And Jesus says, even if I do bear witness about myself, in other words, I am, but even if I did, that doesn't change my testimony. It's still true. And then he says, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. In other words, I know who I am. Here, for us... The Bible says that we have to have two or three witnesses. That was the law. Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 19. Two or more witnesses to validate your testimony. But the Bible also says God doesn't have to have a witness because he is his own witness. He is above questioning. All right. Got that? So when Jesus says, my testimony is true, I know where I came from and where I'm going, what he's saying is, I'm God. He's already told him this before, right? I came from the Father. The Father sent me. He's told him earlier in this same context of the feast, I'm going back. And now he pulls it all together and he says, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. But then he, he pulls out the card again. You judge according to the flesh. This has been the problem from the beginning, isn't it? Remember, it was Nicodemus's problem back in the womb. How do, I, I'm too big. I'm too old. I can't. 
You know, he was thinking fleshly, physically, naturalistically. And this thing is a spiritual thing. This is a supernatural thing. He says, you're judging according to the flesh. Then he says this, I judge no one. Now, commentators are all over the board on this one. Because he is judging them. He's questioning them as to why do you not know who I am? But I think it's, I think it's somewhat simple in that, remember, he's already said, I, I didn't come to judge the world. That's what he's going to do the second time. The second coming, but not the first time. First time, what does Jesus say? I came to save. That's what he's all about. To seek and to save that which is lost. He says, you can judge me all you want. I'm not judging. I'm simply telling you who I am. Even if I do. But if I did, my judgment's true. Listen, folks. Um, I think this is where Paul gets it, most likely. Uh, if, if you're looking for a proof text for Paul, in his discussion on the Lord's Supper, we refer to it uh, about every other month. I move back and forth between the gospel accounts and Paul's account in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Remember, we're to examine ourselves. If we were to judge ourselves rightly, then we wouldn't be judged. And Jesus says, even if I do judge, my judgment's true, for it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. See, we're supposed to we're supposed to we're supposed to acknowledge our sins to God and He will judge us for those things. He will discipline us. And if we're His and we lay those things before Him, He will forgive us of our sins. But if we do not, then He will not. Jesus says. My judgment's true, for it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So, on the one hand, Jesus says, I'm not going to judge you. On the other hand, Jesus is saying, I've just judged you. You don't know who I am. You're the one who's wrong. I'm not. You need a witness that I'm not God. I don't need a witness because I am God. I think this is fun, what he's doing here. Uh, and yet, we have to step back and say, oh, but he's not just talking to them. He could be talking to any of us just as easily. Because we like to judge God, too. Why hasn't God done? You know, just pick something. Save some, you know, somebody that you, you, you love, that you would love to see a, to be a believer in Jesus Christ. God, why hasn't God saved them? 
Well, be careful. You may be judging God. It may not be a legitimate question. It may be a statement. So we have to be careful. Because when we do that, his judgment comes back. And by, by the way, keep in mind here, judgment's being used in a couple of different senses here. Right? You can judge someone judicially and that, that, that can damn them to some terrible end. Or you can simply judge a horse show. You know, and make a judgment about something. A couple this morning was telling me they made a judgment call. They determined to take one route instead of another route. It cost them 15 minutes. Longer. They made a bad judgment. The Jews are making a bad judgment about Jesus. Jesus is making the perfect judgment about them. You don't know me. So then they come back after he says, hey, in the law it's written. And they come back and they said, where's your father? Jesus said, you know neither. And I remember we've already run into this. The whole question of the father. They've got this Nazareth thing going on. They, they, they've got physical. That's all they know. That's all they can think. Okay. I am the one who bears witness about myself. The father who sent me bears witness. They said, where's your father? And Jesus says, here's his judgment. Here's him judging them. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And then John chooses to tell us where he actually said these particular words in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And then John throws this in. And it's because of this. If you're ever going to have the goods on Jesus, you got them now. Now, if you're sitting there saying, I don't, what are you, what? If you want to, if you want to bring an accusation against Jesus that will stick in the Jewish system, blaspheming God is it. If he's not God, he just blasphemed. Because he said, I came from the Father and the Father knows me and you don't know the Father. The reason I know the Father is because I came from the Father. I am with the Father. So John throws in here, he says, but nobody pulled the trigger because you know why? Not because they didn't have the goods on Jesus. They had a good accusation here. And they had a ton of witnesses, right? And Jesus had just told them they needed a couple of witnesses. Well, they got a whole, whole room full of witnesses. And they don't do anything. They don't drag him out to the courts. Why? Because his hour was not yet come. Because he's the one who set the time. He's the one who determines the time. He came in his fullness of time and he was going to leave in his fullness of time when he had accomplished all he came to accomplish. His hour had not yet come. His deity. In other words, John's saying because he was God and he, had, he, he was controlling this thing. That's why they didn't do anything.
It's a challenge to all of us to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves. Now, briefly, there's a good second point. Darkness, the whole sin situation. Their hearts are dark, they're evil, they're wicked, they hate God, they hate the light, they're standing against the light. And then that dulls them to understand anything. Do you understand we sin because we're sinners? No. We're sinners because we are sinful. Right? Because of the darkness, they sin more. So this next paragraph just says it's compounded. Jesus spoke to them and he says again, I am going away and you will seek me. You will die in your sin. He's making another judgment statement. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Well, that's, a, that's an awful thought. Later in chapter 14, he's going to say the opposite to his, his faithful followers. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and where I am, I'll come and bring you to myself. This is totally different. Where I'm going, I have no room for you. You can't come. Because you deny that I'm God. You refuse to acknowledge that I and the Father are one. Now remember what they thought last time he said this? Some of them said, what's going on? Oh, oh, oh. I bet he's going to go into the diaspora. He's going to go up. No, he's going to go to the Gentiles. That's what he's going to do. And he knows we don't want to come to the Gentiles. Unclean, unclean. Well, now somebody else has got another idea. Is he going to kill himself? Because if he kills himself, we don't want to go where he's going. Okay. And then he says, you don't get this either, do you? You're from below. I'm from above. It, it's, it's this flesh thing again. Listen, y'all. As long as you try to do it, as long as you try to work it, as long as you think the power is in you, you're not going to get it. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not campaigning for let go and let God. That's a bad theology. But what I am saying is this. It's about faith. It's about trusting the Lord. It's, let, it's about God being God and us being his people. Not us being God and him being our people. Do you know how easy that happens? We pray prayers and we tell God what to do. Yeah, I know sometimes we... We put it in a question mark, but we really put an exclamation point afterwards. Is he going to kill himself? We don't want to go there if he's going there. Jesus said, no, that's not the problem. That's what I'm going to do. I'm from 
above. You're from below. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. Told you you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he who will will die. You, he will die in your you will die in your sins. And they said, who are you? And then he says this, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. And then he goes into, I'm just simply telling you what I came to tell you, what the Father and I determined for me to say to you. This thing just keeps going over and over, doesn't it? And that's, that's life in this world, isn't it? That's the book of Judges. And that can too easily be our lives. Two steps forward, three back. And we have to hear the word of the Lord over and over. Here's the good thing. He keeps saying it over and over again. He doesn't quit. He doesn't quit saying to his people, have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten that I came from the Father and I did all this good work for you and now I'm back with the Father and I'm interceding for you and I'm going to come again and I'm going to bring you to myself? Aren't you glad Jesus... The spirit of the living God bears that testimony to his people over and over and over and over again. Jesus, the question, how many times, you got, how many times can you be forgiven, Lord? Seven times, seven times 70. Infinitely. Aren't you glad that God just keeps saying over and over? Because we don't like to, do we? Husbands, you don't like to have to repeat yourself to your wives. If you have a, if, 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 well, I know that's a problem. Because I'm not the only one with that problem. We don't like to repeat ourselves to our children, do we, moms? How many times have I told you that today? Go pick up. We don't like to. But here's the beautiful thing, y'all. Jesus doesn't seem to be frustrated by having to repeat this over and over to these people. And they don't even believe. How much more pleasure does God take in repeating himself to us who believe? That's remarkable to think about, isn't it? Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin. It shouldn't promote any sin in any of us. In fact, it should do just the opposite. And then Jesus says, and we have to close. There's going to be an ultimate, ultimate here. Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He's talking about the cross, of course. And God the Father gave the ultimate testimony. And there were those on both sides who believed and disbelieved. And in this case... We've seen this already as he was saying these things, many believed. The light came into the darkness and it had an effect. For some, 
it, it confirmed the darkness. It, it made the darkness vivid. They loved it. But for others, the light shined on them and they believed. We read in Isaiah that the, the word of God being read and proclaimed is just like, is, 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 has the same effect as the water falling on the earth. All this water that's falling in the past week, while we've had 40 something inches or something around here, uh, our house has sunk six feet down into the rock up there on the, on the point out there. It's so soggy. But all that rain, you know, we used to say, you know, spring showers bring May flowers. But we forget those showers also bring May weeds and May briars, right? The dandelions as well as the daffodils. And Isaiah tells us that God's word is just like that. It comes down and never ever returns to God empty. It always accomplishes what God has for it. Now what we struggle with is sometimes God's word accomplishes salvation and sometimes it hardens hearts. The light shined in the darkness and some believed. Others didn't. So the question is, which are you? The light has shined. Do you believe? If you do, it's a changed life. If you don't, you'll continue with all the questions. All the questions and all the doubt. Father, we pray this morning that you would give us all faith to walk out of these doors believing that the light of life might be in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.